Welcome to Flex Ed, a podcast for those who have a passion for bettering themselves and gaining a better understanding of overall health. Ryan and Josh are here to break down all of the variables of the equation that is known as being healthy. Flex Ed starts now. Welcome back for another edition of the Flex Ed Podcast. I'm Ryan, as always, joined by my co-host and little brother, Josh. Josh, how you doing today? Great. Doing great. Today's guest, two licensed chiropractors, Dr. Vaden and Dr. Regal from Serenity Health here in Cookville. We want to thank you guys so much for being here first off. We truly appreciate it. Um, so, Dr. Vaden, Dr. Regal, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. I'm great. Thank you so much for asking. Excellent. And Dr. Regal, if we could start with you, would you give us just a little bit of background as far as where you're coming from uh, into your chiropractic practice? So I just started with Serenity Health about a year ago, coming up on that. Um, And I graduated about a year and a half ago from Logan University in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, And I've been loving it so far. Excellent. Loving it so far and and getting to work with, with Dr. Vaden there too who one of two of the only chiropractors I've ever been to visit in my life. So, you know, not a ton of experience on my end, but I've thought that she's done a great job. Uh, Dr. Vaden, give us a little bit about your background. Um, I went to Logan University as well, um, but that's been uh, about 15 years ago. It was called Logan Chiropractic uh, College then. Um, I have been Serenity Health. This October will be 10 years Uh, Before that, I worked in Nashville for about a year and a half and had a couple other offices in town before I opened my own. Awesome. Well, congratulations on 10 years, too. I know. Thanks. That's quite a feat for any business. It is. So when it comes to chiropractic, it's something that my mom introduced me to. Like, she just made me an appointment when I was younger. Now, Josh, he's never been to the chiropractor. Dr. Vaden, when you first see a patient and somebody comes into you for the very first time, What does that process look like when you just go about evaluating uh, what that patient may need? Well, when they first come in, we usually spend a good 30 minutes with them. They uh, fill out a lot of paperwork beforehand of a concise medical history. Um, That way, and it also tells us, you know, like what their main problem is, what they're looking for. And then we sit down and talk to them for a good, you know, 15 minutes just evaluating their entire history so we get a good picture. And then we go through a very, very detailed um, orthopedic test, neurologic test, range of motion, just kind of seeing how their body's moving. Then we go into posture and spinal palpation to see kind of where they're not moving. Um, And then for me, and I think as Dr. Sarah as well, uh, we go through and tell them what to expect. Um, things that are going to happen, show them how the tables work, show them all our tools. I'm sure people have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions. So we address all of that and try to make it as comfortable as possible. Um, and just, you know, basically describe their very first adjustment to them. Um, and then some of them warrant x-rays, which we fill out information and send them to, usually I send them to Premier, but sometimes we send them to a Cookville Regional Outpatient as well. Okay, so upon that evaluation, normally that's where you're going to find that out, right? So if somebody came in and and discussing their history, you determined we we need to see x-rays probably before I can practice on you. That makes a lot of sense, right? You know, it's got to be something pretty scary to be doing some of the things that you guys do, although, uh, again, there's nothing scary about it to me. I come in there as somebody that I feel like I'm in pretty good health and don't have any of those issues, knock on wood. 
Um, so it's more of a preventative thing for me and just something that kind of fascinates me when I go in there. But for some of those folks, it has to be scary not knowing what may be lying under the skin, literally. A lot of times we are their last resort. They've been to a lot of other places and they're just kind of like, I still don't know why I'm in pain or I still don't have answers here. So not only do we address some of that or we find them where they need to go for those those things as well. That makes a lot of sense too. And now do you see, when you say last ditch effort or, or, or last um, option there as far as that goes for a lot of people, is that usually before or, or after maybe they've gone under surgery? Both actually. Um, sometimes we've had surgeries that have worked well, but then levels above or below start having issues uh, and they don't want to go back through surgery if they can prevent it or if they can halt having to have surgery for a longer amount of time. And sometimes it's what else can I do before I have to go to surgery? Well, and the back's very tricky too. I've heard from a lot of people that, that have had back surgeries and have had complications with back surgeries that a lot of times they wish they would have explored more options before they went under the knife because some of those things can't be reversed. Yes. So then, I, I'd imagine you see that. Yes, I see a lot of that. And then you've got some that we see that at that point, that is their option to make them have the most quality of life. That's awesome. And so you're in the business of, of helping people live a better life, Absolutely. feel better in their body. <laughs> and, and just from my couple of visits there, I can tell you that you guys definitely do that. Uh, there's more to it than, you know, there's some of those folks that'll that kind of give it a bad rep as far as to say that it's a cure-off or anything. That's not the case, but it is very important for a lot of other aspects as far as keeping the, the spine in a line, which is literally the center of our nervous system, right? Absolutely. That is um, basically everything is controlled by our nervous system and the spine surrounds that. It's its protector. So when it's not functioning, then our nervous system isn't functioning as best as it can function. Makes a lot of sense to me. So, Josh, we're going to get you scheduled to go in there sometime soon. You'll love it. Again, we, we get our car wheels aligned as far as that goes. Why wouldn't we do the same? And you know what? Honest, it costs less money to get my spine aligned than it does my wheels on my car. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I think you are the one that called me basically a body mechanic the other time. <laughs> I think so. I'm one of those people that definitely does ask way too many questions where you're probably like, look, let me do my job, but I do appreciate the questions. <laughs> no, I'm always happy to educate. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and that's one of the main reasons that uh, just the couple of visits I had with you when we talked about doing this podcast, this was one of the first things I said, we, we want to talk chiropractic and I wanted to talk to you specifically. And now when it comes to chiropractic, just in the little bit of research I've done, uh, apparently it started with a man named D.D. Palmer. Um, apparently... He performed what was, I, I guess, recorded as the very first procedure, right? He says that um, from his research, he described the effects of chiropractic spinal manipulation as being mediated primarily by the nervous system. And during that very first adjustment that he gave, apparently it was to a janitor uh, named Harvey Lillard. I'm sure you guys are very well educated when it comes to this stuff. But apparently he had lost most of his hearing. 17 years prior to that day uh, that he happened to be there with Mr. Palmer. And he said that he lost his hearing after hearing a popping sound in his neck, which sounds pretty scary, right? And you would think, obviously, there's a lot more when it comes to education around this field. But back then, how could you go 17 years 
without being able to hear properly, after hearing a pop in your neck, you would think the first thing you would do would be to look to get that fixed, right? You would think. Well, he noticed, I guess he had, from, from what the story I read, he noticed that he had something that looked out of a line in his back, uh, upper, lower neck, upper back, mm-hmm. wherever that area may be. Um, after a lengthy discussion, he allowed him to go ahead and pop that back in place. And uh, apparently it worked. And that's where the chiropractic profession, according to the little bit of research I did, that's where it originated right there. You did. You very good research. <laughs> the story fascinates me, quite honestly, just to show that little bit of manipulation on the spine can lead to something significant as, as improving somebody's hearing. And there's a lot of other things that the spine controls. We talk about, I mean, pretty much most functions uh, of the human body, they're going through there, right? Yes, all the spinal nerves go to your organs. They go to your muscles. They basically supply everything. And it only takes, you know, one to three millimeters of movement to cause issues. And we really only move things about one, maybe two millimeters back. Right. And it it may feel more significant, but in reality, it's just that slight manipulation. But man, some of those slight manipulations can feel really good. Yes, and they also like to make a lot of noise sometimes, but they don't have to make noise to actually move. What are some practices that you could get into to maybe couple with the chiropractic visits to correct posture and maybe realign your joints naturally as well as going to the visits? Uh, We talk a lot about foam roller, um, a lot about um, our massage therapist in the office, Um, we talk about posture and we do exercises to help, uh, create that. So when you're in our office, it's just, we work a little bit differently. It's not just a quick in and out. We like to train you to learn how to do your own posture and learn how to basically build upon what we are doing for you. So it's all over health, not just come in, let me work. We want you to work with us. And we also talk a lot about nutrition too with our patients. Yes. Yeah, that goes a long way. I mean, in all aspects of life, right? The right nutrition, what we put into our body ultimately becomes our body. Absolutely. When you look at that, what's some of the craziest things that you've seen in your profession, just as far as some of the effects that that maybe just something slightly being out of alignment um, can affect? I think uh, my favorite actually happened when I was an intern. I had um, a patient who had a chromosome 23 deletion, and that is very rare. There's not a whole lot in the world population that have that. And he was a toe walker, had um, some um, other things going on. He was nonverbal, um, but he came in specifically because he um, wet the bed. Mm-hmm. And he was about six or seven, never, never had spoke a word, but he could walk, but he was a toe walker. Um, so not knowing that I could get x-rays on his neck. We didn't want to touch there. Um, so we basically focused on the lumbar, so your low back and your sacrum and pelvis, so lower behind, below the low, um, low back, and a couple of visits, and the toe walking stopped. So mm-hmm. it lengthened some of his tissues, helped him flat foot, and then probably a good 12, maybe 14 visits in, um, he actually said his very first word. So just that little bit of work for him made a huge difference. Um, That's probably my favorite um, that I did as an intern. Um, Some successes are huge like that. Some are just minute as well as I've actually been able to sleep. And I haven't slept a full night through in years. 
Well, that's um, little I mean, things sleep's like that. very valuable for people too, right? And we're seeing a lot more studies come out recently showing the value of sleep. We've talked about it on here a couple of times where a lack of sleep has been directly tied to uh, early onsets of like dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's and things like that. So getting sleep, very vital to just recovering as far as your brain uh, and the body as far as a whole. But yeah, great story. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's my awesome favorite. right there. And now whenever you talk about, so he walked on the tiptoes, right? As far as that yes. was the weight. Was it an issue as far as correcting that? Was it something where a nerve was being pinched or something that was, maybe he was walking that way because of comfort? Um, he was he was just kind of stuck in that position. His um, Achilles tendons and the calf muscles uh, were like shortened uh, where he was stuck up in that position so long. His uh, sacrum was just not lined up properly, so it didn't allow for full movement of the hips, so the pelvis. Uh, so he just didn't get a good follow through. Um, and then you've got your uh, lower back and your lower th- uh, mid back, so thoracic area. Those nerves go to kidneys and bladder, so we wanted to focus there, too, to kind of help train that, and that actually got better as well. That's great. So, I mean, I'd imagine his quality of life went up significantly just from those visits uh, as far as correcting just some of those minor issues. Yep, just a few little things here and there, and we were able to correct a lot for him. That's awesome. It really is. So, whenever it comes to chiropractic care, what is your general definition? If somebody asked you to define it, I guess if I'm asking you to define it, what is your definition of chiropractic care? Um, the best definition that I've been able to find that kind of encompasses, I think, everything that I think about it and what Dr. Regal thinks about it is that um, chiropractic is basically a um, alternative health care. Um, conservative care that we utilize mainly our hands, but we do have instruments that we use. But it is to basically um, that the nervous system controls and coordinates every organ, every cell in the body. And for us, our job is basically to help fix that and lead and educate our patients so they can have better health through a natural healing process. I love it. And a great definition. Um, Dr. Regal, do you agree with that definition? Do you have your own? I actually agree with that. We actually discussed that this week of what's a really good definition of chiropractic because when you really learn about it, I'm sure you saw in your research, there's all sorts of different ideas behind it. And along with it, there's all sorts of different types of chiropractors and different approaches to it. And so that's something that we really agree upon. Excellent. Yeah. And it's something, it sounds like you guys did discuss. So you've got the, the best answer there. Awesome. So the definition of chiropractic care covered. What are the primary benefits that you see? I mean, with the benefits, I mean, mostly it's just going to be like decreased pain, um, better quality of life, as we talked about with that um, one case. Uh, when you have decreased pain and your mobility increases, uh, you, you're able to enjoy the different things in life that kind of, you know, whether it's running or whether it's, you know, being able to pick up your grandkids, certain things like that. It's huge and it really helps with the patients. For sure. Just going about everyday life, you know, we want to be as active as possible and to be able to, to be as active as possible. Uh, we want to feel good when we move. Exactly. Right? So you talked about some of the instruments and the tools, and I know you guys, you do chiropractic. I know you do some acupuncture and some other things too. Could you talk about so, uh, some of the other things that you guys do and maybe some of the uh, tools of the trade? 
So um, I'm sure as you've seen, we have lots of different techniques that we use in the office. We have a drop tables. Um, we also use some traction. I have a thing called flexion distraction on my table, which is a type of traction for the low back, which is really great for patients with uh, low disc um, issues. Uh, we also use an ultrasound machine, and we have our massage therapist that we use. And then we have an activator. That's uh, kind of like another little instrument. Kind of sounds like. Um, Is that the clicker? Yes, it's the clicker. That's yes. the clicker. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's another low force type of adjustment. So some patients, you know, um, either due to uh, past medical history or due to you know just nervousness of having their neck adjusted, they don't always like that kind of twisting, that harder motion. Uh-huh. And so some patients really respond really well to that. It's also really great for, you know, patients with osteopenia and babies and all sorts of different things like that. Yeah, and that what that allows you to, what, get in between the ribs and, and certain areas that you just not normally be able to get to. Yeah, and it, it allows us to kind of do, um, be a little bit nicer too, okay. where some adjustments can be a little bit tougher, a little bit meaner, and not all patients can handle that. For sure. I, mm-hmm. I think the last time I was in, uh, one side of my neck seemed to want to adjust, the other side didn't. I think uh, Dr. Vaden, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's when you busted out the clicker. That is usually I. Uh, that's usually when I bring out the activator. Um, when things don't move well, I don't like to use a whole lot of force. So instead of you know just putting in extra force, I just usually bring out the little activator and put it right where I put my hands. Do the um, proper amount of clicks and recheck it and remotion it. Yeah, and it seems to do the job. Uh, it's very interesting when you see that little device. And now you mentioned your backgrounds and things like that. When do you feel like that you really got sold that, look, I want to be a chiropractor? Uh, for me, I was, um, I was actually a senior in undergrad. I went to Austin P, and um, I was actually headed to med- medical school, and I got really, really sick. I got a lot of migraines. I was on a lot of medication, and that's not fun for a 21-year-old. No. Um, I was basically stuck in my dorm most nights. Um, and could barely function in classes. So I was a little bit dramatic as a 21-year-old, and I was like, my life is over, and I don't know how I'm going to make it through med school. And my uh, my uh, roommate was like, well, my aunt's a chiropractor. You want to go give that a go? And I was like, sure. What are they going to do? Went up and um, saw her practice, got adjusted, and I was migraine-free for about seven days, and I was I was having, like, migraines daily. Uh, even with the meds. So, so you saw the effect for yourself. I saw the effect for myself. I did that. Um, now I get like maybe one or two migraines every six months, if that. Usually they're weather-related at this stage. Um, so <laughs> I called and canceled my uh, my uh, application at medical school and went up to St. Louis instead and went to chiropractic school. The rest is history. Yep. Right? Now, I'm glad that you're in it. I think you're in the right profession. Uh, Dr. Regal, uh, similar story for you, or how did you get into it? Well, I did chiropractic growing up, so I did um, high school and college cheerleading, so I obviously did chiropractic through all of that because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's obviously a very rough sport on your body, but um, I actually was going through undergrad, and I really wanted to be an ER trauma surgeon, so kind of, you know, long road from that, and I did my EMT clinicals up at Trauma One Center up in Chicago, and even though, you know, I loved that type of, you know, medicine, I also saw how sometimes patients, you know, they were kind of getting treated as a number. And I really wanted to be able to provide more one-on-one care for patients, more, you know, overall health for them. That's beautiful. And so that's when I kind of, you know, started looking at other options. And I, you know, fell in love with chiropractic, checked out the schools, and I'm here today. That's great. I mean, you really do feel like 
uh, you know, that you, that you do feel cared for when you go into some of these appointments. And, you know, because you, you seem to ask the right questions, um, the manipulation and everything. Like I said, when you come out of there, I feel like a million bucks. I, I think you guys do a great job. I, I've become a firm believer when it comes to chiropractic, just as far as, again, not necessarily a, a, a fix-all, but it's something that needs to be added to anybody's fitness regimen, uh, preventative care, um, to help, I think, relieve some of the issues that we get in the process of getting fit or trying to stay fit, right? You're going to have bumps and bruises and things that twist up and knot up all throughout the body. Uh, if you've not experienced those things, you're just not getting after it hard enough. I'll tell you that. But when it comes to it, are there any risks when it comes to chiropractic care? We get asked that a lot, and we do usually give you um, an informed consent in your paperwork. Um, and then we'll, you know, of course, you can always ask us um, about them. Our biggest things are like the mildest risk is bruising um, because some people just bruise easily. Some people are on uh, blood thinner, so they're going to bruise easily. That makes sense. Um, you've also got the risk of uh, fractures if you're osteoporotic, osteopenic. That is why we do such a thorough history. For sure. Um, there's, you know, people come in with that to us with that have had previous surgeries, that have cages and rods in their spine. You can't move those things, so we need to know those locations because you don't want to hurt anything on anyone. No. Um, the biggest risk that most people float around in um, on the media and stuff is um, with uh, the arteries of the neck. And um, that risk is pretty much... For anything where you're going to tilt your head back, um, mm -hmm. we've got several articles that talk about that that we're always happy to share. Um, that's also why we show the activator that that way there's no twisting and torquing. Um, some people like the twisting, <laughs> um, but you know we do talk about that and we do check you, um, even though it doesn't feel like we examine you every visit. We pretty much look for all those signs every visit to make sure we get you proper care. Um, but that is probably the biggest risk that you hear about the most. Okay. Uh, but the majority of the risk is your bruises and, oh, you've made me sore because you dug a muscle knot out of me kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that's like a good pain, though. You know? It is. And we're very, very uh, safe and effective for, for the most part. Um, like I said, bruising is the main thing. Yeah, and and so it's like anything else, right? It's individual. It's on it an individual, individual basis as far as that goes. And that's why your health assessment, your risk assessment, and, and all that goes a long way as long as the liability waiver. Because you know what? With anything, there's always a possibility that something could go wrong. But if you practice safely like it sounds like that you do and that everything that I've witnessed, that's going to stay at a very minimum. Right? Yes, it's a you very, know. very minimal risk. And that's why we, I like I know for myself, and I've been adjusted by Dr. Sarah, of course, and um, we talk and we say, you know, you've got to communicate back with us. Is that feeling okay or do you not like how that feels? If you don't like the sound, I've got some people that just do not like the sound of the manipulations. So that's, again, we've got a couple other different things. So communication is big. You have to be completely honest in your health history with us. Because if you're not completely honest, we cannot give you the quality of care that you deserve. Makes a lot of sense. 
I find the sound oddly satisfying, honestly. And I think you probably see there's a lot of like social media pages. There are. And everybody's been talking about all of those lately. Yeah. And a lot of those, though, look a lot riskier than what you'd normally see in a chiropractic office, right? Yeah. Some of those I don't love. Um, Where they're using like straps and all these weird get ups and just cracking people all over the place. That is a technique we do not do at our office. Um there is a couple that do that. I am not, I've not been trained in that technique. So I just, I say with more of a mild, I usually tend to get the people that need a little bit more mild. I can do a little heavier adjusting. So can Dr. Sarah, but we tend to be kind of that lower end. I think uh, being conservative is probably the best way to approach chiropractic anyways. That is how I feel. Not yes. too aggressive <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. Cause it's very important that, that it's getting a line that we're adjusting that stuff. It's also very important that we protect that uh, those very important body parts. Absolutely. So with that, again, we talked about there's going to be differences in care from client to client, depending on what they need, um, what's going on with their body, what their past history is as far as that goes. And it's just one of those things that's, that's going to be very individual. But when it comes to, to like athletes and folks, um, as far as not necessarily involved in sports, but if you... Just say uh, are into fitness as far as a runner or a weightlifter or anybody that's just staying active and staying athletic. Is there any advice as far as just maintaining proper health and alignment of the spine, specifically for those folks that are really pushing it day in and day out? Well, I like to recommend for a lot of, especially like my CrossFit lifters, um, is to really make sure you're focusing not only on the strength aspect, but also on the, you know, the stretching aspect too, because yeah, you can get strong and strong and strong, but then you're not going to be able to move. You're not going to be able to hit those full ranges of motion that you do on some of those snatches and different mm -hmm. things that you're doing. Things start to tighten up, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't take care of them, for it's sure they'll tighten up and, and, and you're liable to pull something if you don't stretch as well. So the stretching, obviously a, a big part as far as that goes. Now, with, when it comes to athletes, do you guys see a lot of athletes that come in just for preventative care? I think we see quite a few, um, even if they're just like CrossFitters that are not doing it professionally. Um, I know I've treated several professional athletes when I worked in Nashville. Uh, Dr. Sayers worked with quite a few athletes. Um, so we see a good amount. Okay. And probably some more drastic things, depending on what kind of athletics that they're involved in, you know, but I could imagine like say working on a football player and a tennis player. You're going to see yeah. a lot of major differences in those spines. Your football players are quite a bit bigger than I am, so that's that was always fun. Uh, uh, tennis players are a little bit more uh, lean instead of bulky. Um, so we usually, um, you know, the people that do the big bulky uh, workouts, we also like to tell them to focus on their back muscles. We don't get to see back there, so we tend to ignore those, and then we have injury. We all see the pretty chest muscles, the abs, everything in front, but we don't want that big rounded look. We want that good tall look. For sure. And back muscles, those workouts aren't ever that much fun. So I understand where people try to skip them in the gym. But look, very important. They're right? very important. So say you're you're wanting to couple, you know, your workout with your chiropractor visits. Would it be better to go before your workout or to be better to go after? Would it, you know, maybe inflame muscles from your workout get in the way of your chiropractor visit? Um, I usually let my patients that be their choice. Um, however, I do tell them to wait at least an hour after an adjustment. That lets everything that we've stretched kind of solidify um, 
because when you do move bones, you fast stretch muscle, you kind of fast stretch those tendons and ligaments. So you want all that to kind of tighten back up and hold what you've put into place. Hmm. So you don't want them to go straight to the gym and pull all that back out. Some things I wouldn't have thought about there. And when it comes to that too, you mentioned a lot of times whenever I leave there from an adjustment or massage to drink a lot of water, you hear as well. Where does that come into play? So basically we recommend to stay hydrated, drink a lot of water because not only with the chiropractic adjustments, you know, we're physically moving your bones. We are also, you know, doing a lot of muscle work. And so as you know, as an athlete, it's really important to stay hydrated for that mm-hmm. muscle recovery or for everything that's going to time right back up. Makes a lot of sense. But now, why specifically, um, I guess, what is the medical reason that it's it's usually preferred when you leave there that folks are like, look, drink a lot of water. It's, it's like something to do with toxins, correct? It, that's the easiest way to explain it. Okay. It helps like flush your system. We're mostly water and most of us don't drink enough water anyway. I know that's right. So that just kind of helps you get that extra bottle in, makes you less sore, helps just kind of get things moving and basically kind of, you know, lubricates those joints a little more. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess the way I've always understood it in my brain was that like everything that's getting manipulated, some of the pain you feel, some of those toxins may be releasing uh, and that's what they're talking about. Maybe you need to go ahead and flush a flush little bit that. extra. But look, anytime anybody's recommending to drink more water, it's always a good thing. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're not going to overdose from drinking too much water unless you really, really, really get excessive, right? There's only been one or two people that I've ever even read about in an article. And that was because they just, I mean, they were they became obsessed with it. It was part of an obsessive compulsive. Yeah, I remember reading an article not long <laughs> ago about it was actually like a radio contest. I think uh, hold your wee for a wee back when the wees came oh. out, and this poor lady, I think she ended up passing away because of it. But oh. uh, I think she won the Nintendo Wii regardless. Moving on though, <laughs> so when it comes to working out, um, is there any specific exercises? That you have to speak with your athletes on, whether it be snatches, deadlifts, anything like that, where form is really that important uh, as far as keeping your spine in the line. Because I know a lot of times with some of these, you can get some minor uh, tweaks in the back if you don't hold that form right, which form in itself is something that's very, very important. But is there any specific exercises that you have to be very careful with that you've just seen, you know, maybe from your eyes? I mean, honestly, every exercise, you really have to be very careful. I mean, with a, for example, a patient today, she was talking about how she had back pain kind of ongoing for years, but I worsened about three months ago when she got a Peloton bike. And I was like, well, let's put a mirror in front while you're on the bike and let's see what your posture looks like. Because something as simple as that, you can maybe curving your back a little bit weird or kind of twerking something a little bit weird can, you know, cause everything to get misaligned. For sure. Even running, like we've noticed from running, there's some times where, and I think my form takes on different forms as we're going. Like I try to be very, very careful with it when I first start. By the end of the run though, maybe I'm just trying to survive the run, you know, honestly. So I'm just flailing my arms about however I need to, but I try to keep my back straight. I try to keep my shoulder blades somewhat tucked and I try not to get too much swing in the arms because you can feel it in the shoulders sometimes and you can feel it in the lower back. They say the heel-to-toe method that a lot of folks have preached isn't necessarily the greatest way to go about it because it jars the spine so much. Um, so, I mean, it, even when it comes to running, as far as one of the most basic athletic things you can do out there, it, it can cause a lot of pain there. We talk a lot um, 
about form and running. Um, I used to treat a couple of um, oh, cross-country runners. So early in my practice, when I wasn't as busy, I would go out and video them. So now that I can't, I can't personally video you running, I ask somebody to video you and you bring it to me so I can kind of help you correct your form. Whether it be just like, you know, learning how to do pelvic tilts to tighten up some of your core because you're off kilter. Uh, we talk about not forward head running because you don't want to lead with your head. Um, I also usually technically, uh, typically tell a couple of my patients, um, if you're an Avengers fan, uh, the one that uh, Captain America is running and he keeps saying on your left, watch his form as opposed to the other guy. Uh, because he was classically trained as a dancer, so he's got really good running form. The other guy, he starts running a little forward. So that's an easy way to say, hey, don't run like that. Run more like this. There you go. Get your running form from Captain America. Captain America. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's very good the knees. Uh, we do work on the knees a lot. If it, you know, any mobile joint in the body can be assessed and can be um, adjusted. Any advice as far as running, you know, to save the knees? We you know, talk about people, shoes, a lot yeah. with the shoes. It depends on how many miles you're putting on your shoes. Don't wear the same shoes. Um, we also, again, the form. Um, it depends on what you're running but, on. Yes. Whether it's a treadmill, whether it's grass, you know, trails. Really a matter. Yes. I've always thought that there's more wear and tear. I, I feel it more when I'm on a treadmill than when I'm outside. I don't know if it's the, the boredom aspect to it, to where maybe I'm just more concentrating on it. Um, but I feel like it's harder on the joints on the treadmill rather than being outside. It really depends on what type of treadmill you use. There are now treadmills out there that have that little bit of flexibility. That, that curl to it, it or mm-hmm. the curve to it. Yeah, they are a little bit nicer on your body. But, you know, uh, typically the gyms don't always carry those. I think more expensive gyms will, you know, have something like that. Yeah, your basic Planet Fitnesses and things like that where we're probably frequenting uh, – you know, you're going to have your basic treadmill there as far as that goes. But I use it as a tool like anything else. Like, if yes. we can get out and we can run outside, we're doing it. If we're stuck in the gym, I'm pulling that thing on an incline. And I may not even run the whole time, but just do a, a fast walk, hit the stair climber, whatever it may be. Regardless of what it is, obviously form is going to be pretty important, right? Yes. Pretty important. So, you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned, uh, obviously, when it comes to running ways to avoid the back pain. So that's awesome info right there too. Any pre-workout, post-workout advice for lifters specifically? Um, well, I like to recommend for the law of lifters, we kind of talked about like the stretching. Um, I really like to talk about tennis balls as my fascial balls or lacrosse balls. I'm sure you've seen them where, you know, after you do your lifting, um, you kind of go and roll out those muscles, really kind of stretch, go through those ranges of motion, really kind of make sure everything's moving afterwards. And that's a super easy thing, especially for those who do competitions or do, you know, play any games and do any traveling. You can throw that into your suitcase, into a travel-on bag, and you can bring that anywhere with you. It's a super great uh, mm-hmm. tool. Yeah, and you just use it to kind of roll out knots or, or roll out. Like, I'll use a, te- I use a tennis ball, mm-hmm. and I'll roll my foot over it when we get back from a long run just because, you know, you get that pain right in the middle of the foot. And I think that's a normal thing. I'm hoping that's a normal thing. It's not like a plantar fasciitis sort of thing. I try to keep all that out of my head and just try to, again, focus on my form and, and keeping what I'm doing going. Um, you know, so that's one of the things I fear, though, as a runner is eventually uh, wear on the hips, wear on the joints, some of those things. You hear from a lot of runners that they're going to experience that at some point. It's usually not if but when 
in your life that you're going to experience that stuff. So we want to stay active, but we want to proactively do it to just prolong life and prolong, you know, how long we can actually live a good quality life and, and, and that's stay where active. your different vitamins and supplements that we kind of will talk about. Like we talk about collagen supplements and we talk about magnesium and all sorts of different things that you can kind of take that can kind of help support to, you know, further along that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very delicate balance, right? Health. Yes. <laughs> very delicate. There's just a lot of moving parts, literally and figuratively. There's a lot that goes into it. I feel like chiropractic is, is, a, is a main key that maybe everybody doesn't fit in there that they should. Um, but I think, again, when it comes to chiropractic care, I think most all of us should consider putting that in our regimen, whether that be twice a year, whether that be twice a month. I, I think you're absolutely right. We like to say, you know, if you have a spine, you should probably get it checked, just like you get your teeth checked, just like you get your eyes and ears checked. So is there, a, I guess, like a set amount of times you should go to the chiropractor a year? Is there a such thing as going too often to the chiropractor? You can go too often uh, because, again, we stretch those muscles. We stretch those ligaments and tendons, and you can be over-adjusted. Um, for the most part, is there a set time? No, it really depends on what you bring us. If you are in an acute care, so you've just hurt your back, you may see us once or twice a week. You may see us a couple, like for about six weeks, kind of off and on. And then you may never see us again for a couple months. Um, it really is I, the way that um, I have worked and the way that Dr. Sarah works is we kind of try to tailor it to the each individual because nobody's spine is the same. So everybody needs a little bit of different care here and there. Yeah. A very individualized practice, I'd imagine, because when it comes to we all live different lives. We were all, again, born with different bodies and different spines and different conditions. And we're all going through who knows how many different things, especially in the year 2020. <laughs> right. So everything's going to have to be individualized. There. It is very individualized. And I think it's also depending on the patient's goal. Do they want to be able to lift their grandkids or do they just want to be able to get out of bed without pain? Like, what is your end goal and what can we help you with? It seems so wild when you look at it from that perspective, mm -hmm. too. Like, just being able to pick up your grandkids and do just basic life skills to where it's like, sometimes a lot of us could probably take advantage of the fact that, that you know, that we are healthy and that we're able to do a lot of these things physically. Uh, and, and again, a lot of people work towards being able to do that in the future. Some people don't have a choice, right? So right. some people... Again, we can't take advantage of just those basic things that some folks are coming to you in dire need of that help. Yes. Um, so do you do chiropractic adjustments? Maybe you guys don't, but what about doing adjustments on animals? Do people actually bring their pets? Uh, do, do people take their pets to have them adjusted? Is so that a thing? I've actually been doing a lot of animal chiropractic on the side. Right. So um, I've actually started kind of getting to the AKC agility world a little bit. And I mean, just... Like humans, they have spines and, you know, um, and they need to be treated too. I've even seen a little dog that has a disc issue and just kind of helps support that. So, you know, just this is the same with humans. Oh, a little yeah. harder to work with them sometimes with popping their joints, things like that. Communication, um, I'd imagine. It's actually um, really, it's very similar to actually adjusting a baby, an infant. Is really, really light pressures. They are very sensitive and they respond super quick. So it's actually not that difficult. I'm sure they appreciate it just as much as, as the next guy too, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Give you a little smile. Thank you. 
the equine world is a big place for chiropractors as well. So especially with the Derby being as close, even though it's closed this year, uh, being as close as it is, um, there's a lot of chiropractors that work and just specialize on horses. Ooh, there's man. a whole separate um, certification that you can go to if that's just what you want to do. Well, as stout as an animal as that is, I'm sure you have to have some specialized equipment to, to get There's those adjustments. There's usually a little bit and... bigger equipment than what we use on humans. Actually, yeah. a lot of it is you just kind of get on top of the horse and you okay. use your own body weight. And you just kind of like how we use our own body weight with you guys. It's very similar, similar actually. Well, you're going to deal with a lot of different sized humans, too. So I'd imagine you have to be able to adapt, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mentioned Definitely. I've seen Dr. Vaden, but I, I can't remember the last lady that practiced there. The first time I went in, I, I visited her, and she was a little bit smaller. And so, like, I had to help her with some of the movements, but she did a great job. But then when I first came to see Dr. Vaden, she didn't need the help. Um, she manipulated me however she needed to, as far as that goes. So you can see the difference there. Um, and, and it, you know, like I said, when it comes to dealing with somebody like me and dealing with somebody like Shaq, <laughs> whoa, big difference in our spines. And that's where our tables really kind of help us. You know, we'll use our table to kind of help manipulate your weights in whatever way we need to kind of move you around. Yeah, you got to have the tools uh, of the trade and, like I said, be able to adapt. And, again, with, with so many different people out there, with so many different conditions, it's uh, hard to have one individual approach. I, we'll close with this because I think this is probably the biggest topic. What about all of the self-adjusters out there? So, like, I, I know this is probably something you get all the time, maybe something you're tired of talking about, but what about the people that self-adjust? Like, I'll have Josh crack my back every once in a while. You can tell me I'm wrong for that. It sounds wrong when he does it, um, but knuckles, back, necks, toes, um, every time I bend my toes, they pop. Every time I bend my knees, they pop, but it doesn't feel unhealthy. But what about those people that do it as a habit? Is it healthy, and what recommendations might you have? Usually self-adjusters, their need to want to pop things is because something's not moving correctly above or below that segment, mm-hmm. and that segment just overmoves. So they're making it a little hypermobile, a little too mobile. Um, so what I typically try to teach people is the ones that are knuckle poppers, don't smush them, don't compress them. You can tug on them and open up the joint if you need to do that. Um, the biggest thing is don't be pushing on the neck. It doesn't line up those joints correctly and we don't want you to injure yourself. I can't fix that. That goes into our medical community to fix that when things become dislocated. Um, I don't, I'm not a big self-adjuster. I was when I was younger, uh, but I'm definitely not now because I I know too much and I know how those joints are supposed to line up. And when somebody wants to give you the big hug and give you a little extra squeeze, all I can think about is, oh, I don't think your hand should be over my rib like that. So You know uh, what's actually going on. Yes. So that's why I don't self-adjust anymore. So I just caution them. Like our bones are mobile. Our joints are mobile. So sometimes when you're just moving, they're going to make noise because that sometimes they'll go in and out. It's when they get stuck in a certain place that we are very effective. And those are the self-adjusters typically are trying to move things that aren't going to move for them. Yeah, I have a bad habit about the neck as of recent too. And normally it's like the drive to work early in the morning. Uh, one side turns fully functional. The other side doesn't want to turn all the way. But if I get that little crack, it, it feels better and I have full motion. And I still know that it's a bad habit. You can look up to the ceiling, look down to the ground, tilt your head side to side and look to each side. Just don't put any extra pressure there. <laughs> Good words of wisdom right there. So don't self-adjust, right? 
That, that's, I think we can go ahead and say probably a good idea not to do that. But if you do, make sure you're pulling and not squishing. <laughs> yeah, with that. <laughs> good sound advice. Well, we appreciate you guys being here again. What, what I've come to find out is that when it comes to fitness, when it comes to health, I think most people would agree that the hardest thing to find is good balance, either overall or, or individually right there. But I think something that we can agree on is that chiropractic care needs to be part of that equation. Absolutely. And finding that balance, it's always a work in progress for everyone, not just you or me. It's everyone. We're all a work in progress. And it's an ongoing thing, right? You're never going to find that end goal. It's just a process of maintaining. It's a process. Josh, uh, as we close, do you have anything? Just that uh, I need to make it over to Serenity and get an appointment booked soon. We're going to get you booked over there. We'll take good care of you. Dr. Vaden, Dr. Regal, we appreciate you guys being here. How can folks uh, get in contact with you uh, if, if they need to get in touch with you for your services? They can call us, um, and Miss Marshall or Miss Karen will take real good care of you over the phone. Our phone number is 931-854-1799, and it's Serenity Health. Health. They'll take great good care of you. Uh, again, we appreciate you guys being here to talk some chiropractic and for uh, straightening us out on the topic. Fun, fully intended. Great fun. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you. That's a wrap. You've been listening to Flex Ed. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.